ever imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal with your host, Kevin Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock about music, rock and roll, and cover power. The thing is, though... If you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with shop and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. It's That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed. It is a science thing. It is a science place. It is a scientific fact. We are all up in your face. It is time for the one, the only Protonic Reversal. And welcome to it. Incredible doubleheader for you today. And uh, first edition of that is going to be a special social distancing band interview discussion episode with the band salvation uh jason and santiago and victor so the technical feats to make this happen have been surreal and i'm really excited to talk to those fellas and see what they're up to they have a new record out without getting into it i'll get into the normal stuff that i do with the show later we're just gonna play a song and put those fellas on uh real quick though I just lied. I said I was going to put the <laughs> put a song on, and then, then I was like, no, I'm going to talk some more, actually. Um, we, yeah, RadioNeutron.com for the archives, Patreon.com slash ProtonicReversal if you want the episodes ahead of time. That's it. That's all I was going to say. Nothing nothing too crazy. Don't worry about it. I'm not going not gonna to talk too much. And, uh, yeah, let's hear Gear of the Fly. Salvation.
is rock and roll outro at all. You're the Fly by Salvation. That is also off of the record called You're the Fly. And joining us now, we have Jason and Santiago and potentially Victor of the band Salvation online. Hi, fellas. Hello. Hey. Welcome to the show. Uh, I'm very impressed with the technical acumen is taken to, to get you on here. So, thank, thank you for your patience and for having us. <clears throat> so, uh, that record's pretty freaking new, man. Like that's uh, last year, right? Like uh, like late last year, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, late yeah. November. And as we all know, it's uh, kind of weird times right now. And one of the things that you can't do is play shows and tour. So how's How's that with uh, with having a new record out that you're soaked about, but uh, not able to play, not able to do much of anything? Um, luckily, we were able to uh, head out on a couple tours before this hit. Um, as you know, we ran into you. Uh, <laughs> we did, tour, yes. <laughs> good time. Uh, which was really great. Uh, good surprise meeting up. Um, and then before that, we went out to New York and back. And uh, we had one other tour before that, but we did have to end up canceling um, a couple shows that we had booked in Chicago. Um, so hopefully those will be rescheduled. We had one booked with um, Sweet Cobra, which is uh, some friends of ours and a oh, band yeah. we really respect. Yeah, awesome band. And, uh, yeah. So hopefully that'll be uh, rescheduled in the near future when this thing gets wrapped up. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it was kind of bittersweet because we also, we did get to go on three tours to promote the album. Right, So right. it was like, we got we got some in, and then we also, you know, were able to um, kind of like, in a way, like, think outside the box as far as, like, our record. And so we've tried to, you know, we've got some remixes coming up, and uh, so we're trying to, you know, be able to promote it while not playing shows. Well, sure, and that's kind of the only way you can do to like maintain your sanity when when you're a creative personality, right? And it's uh, you you hit an important point of of the fact that it's important to keep doing the things that you love, even when you know you're living that quarantine life, as they say. Yeah, um, I've been uh, lucky enough to have a uh, a studio space nearby that uh, has it's not like occupied by many people and i've been fortunate enough to be working on uh writing and working on some new songs uh and then we were discussing earlier about how we're going to figure out sending uh riffs and songs to each other uh santiago picked up an electric drum kit so he can work on drumming and hopefully we can figure out uh file sharing or whatever and stay active important question have you have you done the, the full-on like drums that so, don't sound like drums <laughs> like space sound drums and all that stuff did you get that out of your system already yeah uh i mean like uh the kit like uh it's not it doesn't have like the most tones but honestly uh it's been a really nice tool just to be able to express and just to be able to play drums sure. again um, it's not the same, but that in and of itself is kind of like a fun challenge of like, oh, like, how do I play drums? But I don't really, you know, it's like a new territory. 
because you don't have the same physicality with it as if you would if it was uh, like a real kit and you're you know playing right where you can feel uh, it as this, well as hear it this one's pretty cool because uh, it has mesh uh drum pads instead of just rubber so it does feel like you do get a nice bounce back like you would on a kit with like a nice nicely tuned head nice um and you know i don't know maybe we'll just end up doing a big black or a god flesh cover or something <laughs> just just lean into the uh, lean into the difference <laughs> yeah just lean into that electronic drum sound and you know hey uh santiago is this your first time working with an electronic drum kit um who's asking the questions here yeah. jason oh absolutely. yeah <laughs> yeah whoa 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 i don't know yeah yeah okay I only answer, a- a- answer answer the question please <laughs> it's a good one <laughs> i only answered to conan <laughs> <laughs> it, but is it the first time that you've you've dealt with it? Like, have you used them in the past? I mean, not honestly. Like, I've always been able to play around on them here and there. Like, you know, right. everybody when their guitar player gets strings at Guitar Center, you know, you run over and play on the electronic kit. Um, <laughs> I think that's yeah. Every drummer's experience time. with electronic drums is the the Guitar Center. Well, all right, these dudes are looking at guitars now, and I guess I'll go dick around on this thing. <laughs> exactly and like so it's like a little bit of that but it's also like um you know now that i actually just it's it's here it's actually my girlfriend's but uh it's here every day so i just i can't help myself and so the main thing i've been working on is playing to a click which is uh definitely not my strong suit so that's been cool well, yeah, and it's it's something where, and if it wasn't immediately clear to folks that are unfamiliar from the song that was played, you guys are very unabashedly a rock band, uh, which I appreciate. Like some people would like look at that as like oh, rock band, Ooh. but I appreciate the fact that you know the visceral visceral nature of what you do, like the tact the tactile force of like what you do is, is like kind of a key element to the songs and to the whole presentation of the band. So that's really difficult to do like in an apartment when you got neighbors or, or, <laughs> or whatever. It, it is. <laughs> and it's, it's really funny. Cause there's been times where you've been told like, okay, so, you know, you're in a record store, maybe like turned down a little bit or stuff like that. And, right. you know, it wasn't something that we necessarily leaned into on purpose initially. Uh, I think we just all have the habit of like throwing our entire physical body into what we're doing. We always kind of, kind of try to take it a little bit too far as far as like our our playing goes and i think when we realized that that was kind of all of our deal that we kind of leaned into it in the sense that we've always recorded very raw and never you know we we haven't never done click and we always we actually our first two albums were done completely live including vocals and guitar there's zero overdubs this last record uh was done uh drums bass and guitar live and then we did uh overdub with vocals and secondary guitar um so it was like kind of covering slightly new ground for us but we decided to try something a little new since we had uh electrical audio available to us yeah it's pretty good record. you could you could do worse <laughs> yeah we were yeah, we, we also were had, so uh, excited that was uh that was a lifelong dream of mine was to record in that studio I've always been um, a big fan of uh, Steve Albini's uh, production or engineering work and uh, the bands that he's worked with, uh, as well as um, his personal bands. I was always a big fan of like Big Black and Shellac and Rate Man. So um, we were just very excited to be uh, 
working in that studio. Well, and it's a fantastic one. So why wouldn't you? I mean, it's 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 world renowned just for being an excellent studio, let alone for the pedigree for coming from like you know louder, more raucous, noisy bands, things along those lines. So when when you talk about the songs that make up the You're the Fly record, let me mute this. Was there like a concerted effort to do anything different with this one, or was it just sort of like this is how the this is how the songs turned out based on what you guys were doing at the time? Um, I mean, I think it kind of took the same. Uh, progression as far as the other records um we just uh we're fortunate enough to have a little more oh, uh, <laughs> vision of, afforded to us as far as uh what we had is along with options um we knew we were going to go into that studio um and so i think we were a little more prepared to take on the uh the luxuries of that studio and what it afforded us as far as microphones and the high ceilings for the drum room. Um, the other rec- the first record was done in a, a very small studio. Uh, the second one was done at Kildare studios in the, uh, live room, which actually I'm at at the moment. Um, but it's like a, a practice warehouse and then has a, a large upstairs, but very much not like a luxurious studio with, all the drums and amps and microphones available to you. So I think we kind of knew that we were going to take a slightly different approach to this one and try to uh, sweeten it up a little bit and have a little bit more power behind it. And we also recorded on the two inch tape. So we kind of uh, tried to execute everything we wanted to do as far as making a record. Well, that's nice. That's always a nice feeling when you have like a completed vision of, you know, you, you start with something in your mind and what you hope to do is that by the end of it, it comes like somewhere near like the idea you had in your mind about it uh, to, to present to the world. And that's, yeah. a, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a monster record. It's a great sound. It's a, like the songs are good, but it's a great sounding record too. Like, I think it's a really good presentation of what you guys do. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. We worked with uh, Mike Luss. He was our engineer and he, uh, has been like a, a peer and a friend and also we respect a lot of the projects he's worked on i believe he's actually worked on um a live uh melvin's recording uh which i know that you share a drummer with uh yes melvin. <laughs> yeah and those guys are just, those guys keep so damn busy it's sort of like it's turned me even more so into six degrees of cone neutron and then sure. Kevin Bacon role just because just because of them, <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, we, I mean, Mike Lust has his we own. Al- we also know um, we also know your your other touring drummer, uh, Jonathan Brown, Mr. JB. From, uh, yes, coordinated suicides. And then I, I read that great. you work with Lindsay Charles. Is that correct? Yeah, Lindsay. Uh, Lindsay's sung with us live plenty of times. There's actually a song on the new, new record, the one that isn't out yet, where she sings lead on, which is pretty freaking awesome because we all know she's a powerful vocalist from cell phones, but I was kind of wondering, like, wow, what would that sound like if she's fronting of a more traditional rock band? And that's exactly what this is, and it's pretty rad. I don't mind saying so. But, yeah, this isn't about me. uh, We saw her throw down with uh, some friends wax eater. She she sang some pretty heavy vocals. Yeah, man. And I'm going to actually have Rob on, uh, I think, next week or something to talk about that. Because uh, there was a huge break in (laughs) between those wax eater records as well. And uh, they're great. They're a great band. So so that's actually a good pivot point here to 
what bands do you consider like coming from the same place and you know uh in the in the trenches the same sort of way what what bands do you feel like you have most kinship with whether it be bands that you play with you know bands that like you just admire or like like where where would you guys play salvation from your own perspective um within chicago we uh, we've definitely brothered up with uh, a band that we've always loved and uh done some touring with and played a, a handful of shows with called den uh from chicago um and uh i'm trying to think of we i mean like there's like yeah, uh, den is awesome they have yeah. a really unique uh live kind of approach to um we played uh we played we used to play with this band Ribbonhead all the time i mean um yeah, man. they have it they're on a hiatus but that band was awesome the, yeah. we played a lot with them yeah Ribbonhead's great uh, uh there's like, like quite a bit. Uh, no men um oozing wound Oh yeah, No Men are really good. Uh, really, we played like No Men's like second show in Chicago, and Ganser also played that show, and it was early on for them. So, Ganser also we played our record release with them, so they're also good home friends. Yeah, we uh, we're really fortunate to be surrounded by uh, such a large pool of bands in Chicago that are just like amazing, and you can't really go out any night of the week without finding a, a show that you're going to enjoy. I mean, before this, before the world ended. You know. <laughs> before, yeah, before things shaped, before the troubles, as they, yeah. as my friend John Huland says. Well, and, and the reason why I bring that up, it, it might sound like just like some hacky question, but from what you guys do and what your sound is, there's definitely antecedents being like, you know, a, a raucous, more visceral uh, rock band to, you know, Seattle and like sort of the grunge world and things like that. But it almost seems like you're, it would make more sense from a sound perspective, if you were coming from like Louisville, you know what I mean? Like then coming from Chicago and it's, it's not like Chicago doesn't have awesome rock bands. It's just that it's not really. Yeah. Which was strange to me. Um, because I've always, like I went to the touch and go anniversary, 25th anniversary party at the hideout. And I've just always like loved that Chicago had such a, uh, a heavy core of bands, which it still does. But I feel like, I've noticed a, a, a huge movement of heavier, noisier bands coming out of like I see, Minneapolis. I see what, other I see what Conan's saying though about uh, like, like I feel like your guitar playing has like a very slight like southern kind of bluesy rock edge to it, and I think that kind of makes it sound not stereotypically Chicago. Yeah, people think of more angular stuff for Chicago. Well, you know, for better or for worse. I'm not saying it's. They should. Yeah, I'm just. I mean, <laughs> like if Jason you hear a band a that sounds like a. Louis, so. Yeah, I mean, if you hear a band that that sounds like they're heavily influenced by shellac or something, and like they say if they're from Chicago, it's like, oh yeah, of course you are, you know. And, yeah, and I think that, all uh, love the shellac, but it's you know. Yeah, I think that we we don't really sound um, like the kind of stereotypical angular noise rock band, which we're a big fan of that sound. Um, we I, I I think we kind of just like felt somewhat lost in the beginning and that we didn't really have a uh, a scene that we uh, yeah. fit into and we were just kind of the oddballs out turning up really loud and kind of playing just like a wild rock and roll show and then uh we were kind of accepted or or somehow pulled into this world of noise rock which a lot of those bands are bands that we're definitely influenced by and that we love but uh i don't think we have ever tried to like tag ourselves as noise rock 
or anything. I think we've always just kind of told people we're a rock and roll band, like a loud, yeah. wild rock and roll band. You know. Well, and I think that's accurate, and that's something where it, it's interesting that, it, but it does seem to come from the same sort of just really authentic, you know, putting it all out there place, but manifest in a different way. And I think maybe that's oh. that's where someone can like find the, the cross thread there. Sure. Yeah. So, so that's something that have you experienced the, you know, being the rock band on like the math rock bill situation before, and how, how's that? Like, how does that? How does yeah. that go? I feel like we've kind of been able to. Um, we've been lucky enough to kind of like with our sound uh, play with a lot of different bands, whether they sure. be like metal bands or, or hardcore bands or you know just straight punk bands or whatever. Um, I feel like we have like a, a sound that can kind of um, be accepted by a lot of different genres. Um, but I've definitely, I think it's safe to say that we were all very attracted to like, you know, like Cherubs, for instance, was always like a huge influence for me personally, uh, which we were, ended up fortunate enough to play with at the Empty Bottle in Chicago. Um, but we were you know, always really drawn to just loud, wild, noisy, kind of unsettling, abstract rock and roll. Um, but at the same time, we didn't want that to give us any, like, walls or boundaries of having to fit into just that. Um, right. And on every record, we've done some tracks where they're uh, slower songs and, you know, odd kind of uh, almost like soundtrack yeah right right it's not like they're all very firmly locked in that in that one box and it's yeah not like but i mean as far as our life as far as our live performance we definitely uh are driven in that direction and there is a a very in a good way there, there is there's definitely a baton pickup of bands that are raucous and, and kind of have like a more like rowdy like dirty sound that aren't necessarily informed by the same things that like your classic quote unquote grunge bands were. And in some cases they are, but like, it's, I mean, the way I, I sort of define it personally is being a band that's a rock band, but also that, you know, acknowledges and appreciates bands like Devo and the cars, oh, for sure. but then also yeah. like appreciating the fact that there's this whole, you know, there's some great Soundgarden stuff. There's some, <laughs> you know, oh, I, all of this. Oh, and But at, at this point, it's all history. It's all rock history. Right, and I right. think it's weird to me that there's been this sort of Harry Potter sorting hat thing of, well, you have to either be over here or be over there. And certainly from my own perspective, I definitely find it fascinating when I find, when I find common cause for folks that are coming at it from a similar perspective. But, I mean, ultimately, this is all very academic and heady discussion. And I think, you know, rock and roll fans aren't necessarily going <laughs> to gonna delineate that same way unless they're severe ex-record store employee slash ex-reviewer types or something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, we've got, like, we've definitely always wanted to get get out that wild aggression and, uh, and put on, like, a really energetic, um, wild rock show. And we've always been really attracted to the loud, aggressive sound. Um, but with that being said, I'm very unattracted to the boundaries of having to fit into just one style like that. And um, 
you know, I've I've always been really into, which I would imagine all of us are into, like so many different bands. Like Blonde Redhead is a huge influence and band we like. I love personally, um, and I try to I try to pull in different elements of uh, on the record of like kind of taking you on like a, a journey rather than I don't I don't want the record to just hit you in the face constantly. <laughs> right. uh, I remember we actually got a review a really positive review from a, like a metal magazine and they were, they were, you know, singing the praise of the record, but the guy was like, Oh, you know, it it would have been near, you know, perfect record if they didn't have these like mellow filler songs. (laughs) Yeah. I just thought that was funny because I like purposely wanted those songs to be in there to kind of cleanse the palate and take you on like a different path for a moment on the record because I personally don't want the album to just like beat you in the face constantly. Yeah. Yeah. I personally agree with the guy. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Santiago was yeah, saying no, he doesn't want the new ones. Like <laughs> that's definitely like a challenge. Cause it's like, you want to do that, but you also don't want to like ride the line of just like, you know, things being too rocky as far as, so I think like, yeah, it's kind of hard to make, you know, a song that sounds totally different, but also doesn't sound out of place. Uh, but I think Mike Lust helped us with that because he made us very comfortable. He was really easy to work with. He was very like he broke down the wall immediately. And so I think part of it was was being yeah. able to feel free to kind of do whatever we wanted. Yeah, I was not, so, you know, I was so intimidated even going into Electrical Audio because I had up until that point I had just delivered pizzas to that place. Um, (laughs) and I was like always so excited to poke my head inside and and see what was going on and they would you know be sure to like uh, give me my five dollars and push me out the door but uh you'd be like oh oh, what's what what, who's recording today (laughs) yeah um so ziggy in there (laughs) I was I was walking around and soaking it all in and uh this this dude Greg Norman was in there and kind of saw me like soaking it up and I was laughing and he was like uh what's going on man and I'm like you know, I, I've only ever walked up to your door with a pizza delivery and like now I'm walking around this place and taking it all in and it's just kind of overwhelming. But yeah, Mike, uh, Mike Lust was essential for making us comfortable, like Santiago was saying. And he really, uh, he was just like very key in, in allowing us to feel comfortable in there. And I think he pulled the best performances out of us. Uh, you know, I think he really cared about the record and uh tried to pull the best performance and the best takes out of us well and i mean that dude knows from interesting rockin as well i mean just from his own bands and as well as who's recorded but i mean like tight phantoms yeah i mean tight phantoms is a, a rip and killer rock band and he's a really wild performer himself so i think that um he kind of understood what we were going for um and uh yeah he he actually like uh approached me uh just like when we were hanging out and said that like you know if we were interested in recording he would he would be down to do it uh and i was super stoked to hear that so um i'm glad that we met up with him and we're like-minded and we're able to be fortunate enough to work with somebody that uh has his skill in the studio Sure, and he, you know he's got. I mean, when you're, you're somebody's recorded bands like Swoop the Lake Johnny and stuff, who aren't exactly easy to categorize themselves, it's a uh, you, you know that they're gonna they're gonna come at it with an open mind and an open heart in some ways. 
Exactly. Have you have you played with uh, Mike's band? No, never have. Never have. Never met him. Never actually wouldn't wouldn't be the worst idea to have him on the show. Now that <laughs> just yeah, to throw no, that out in the world. Great dude, great musician. We could make like, that happen. Like, your bands would uh, your bands would probably go really well together, in my opinion. So Santiago for for drumming when we're talking about rock the rock music idiom and there, there's obviously certain go to rock drum things. But how do you approach what you're doing uh, in Salvation? And in what aspect do you think kind of comes out the best with the record? Um, Well, I would say, like, uh, I've always been, like, super into, like, the intricacies of uh, drumming and always tried to kind of, like, do my own thing. But I would say, like, my technique technically is actually pretty trash. So I think like being obsessed with all the gear and all the, you know, being so analytical about things helps me kind of bridge that gap that a lot of those players with the technicality have. So I think kind of focusing on those those little things and like little um, accents are kind of like my obsession. I really like, you know, going from half time to double time, you know, that kind of concept. Uh, I would say, um, you know, my favorite drummers are like dave lombardo and dale crover and you know sarah lund and just people who are able to be pocket drummers but also be really dynamic and innovative um so i would say kind of honestly a lot of copycat uh work goes down my life um way to throw yourself under the bus man (laughs) yeah i would say i would say i I, I I really tr- I really love Sarah Lund from uh, Unwound. Yeah, she's she's, she's, she's a like freaking badass, under- man. Yeah, and have I you heard that Nocturnal like Habits record underrated. that uh, she did with the uh, Trosper and uh, the the um, Two Ton Boa folks? No, I didn't. Really, really good, really good. Yeah, I've I've actually I cornered her at a, cool. at a show I'll a long time out. ago and asked her to come on the show and it hasn't happened yet, but someday it will. But I've had Trosper on. Uh, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, Sarah Lund's a badass. No, that's that's awesome. And I, I, I guess I, I kind of do, like, I learned in a way where I just kind of, um, you know, I only started playing drums because my drummer quit, and I just kind of picked it up and uh, kind of guessed a lot and sort of basically, um, you know, just, like, by watching and listening, like, I didn't ever learn in a very, you know, classic way, but I think just, like, uh, emulating is what I, what I do the most, um, trying to take those things, emulating things from like Sarah Launder, Crover, Dave Lombardo, and then making it kind of our own. I've also tried to, I used to be a little bit more busy. I think the older I get, I try to kind of like dial it in and, you know, make it count when it needs to. I mean, so I think that's, that's, you know, I think something you I found, did on this record, I would say. Which kinda, I think you found you know, your own style for sure, though, within like any musician having influences and emulating, uh, you know, people that we admire i think in my opinion that's what attracted me to working with you was that i thought you had a very different artistic approach to drumming that was uncommon or you know it didn't sound like a lot of other drummers so uh, yeah i like outsider musicians for the most part and sometimes they're i feel like you know some of the best musicians are self-taught and i feel like it but i feel like it kind of makes you a little bit weird and I kind of love that. That like, it's oh, idi- why do you do that? Yeah, yeah, it's idiosyncratic. Thing. Uh, yeah, right. like Mindy from Mod Pods, who uh, plays drums for Dale and Dale Cover Band, and um, 
also plays in Dangerously Sleazy. She has a very, very interesting style that just, it's like, wow, I don't know how you develop that style, but it's awesome. Like, it's, it's very, uh, very unorthodox, but it works with, with what they do really well and, and all the bands. Uh, well, the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm specifically bringing that up is you and Victor have a real locked-in sensibility that I think provides a super solid foundation for what Salvation does. And it just can be interesting to figure out where the rhythm section is coming from. You know what I mean? Like if everyone's kind of – some things will work if it's more academic, more like proggy sounding, and sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, that doesn't work at all. Like once you actually get going with the song. Totally. And I think that like uh, one thing that's really interesting about that is that there's been so many times where we're playing a song in, in our practice space and I do some – drum you know flourish that i think is like i'm like oh man this is gonna sound so good and then i record it and it sounds like trash and some things just kind of don't translate (laughs) right right. like it sounds good to my ear but then when it comes out of a microphone something in the process it just you know didn't come through so i think we in this last record we actually demoed um some songs at a studio um like a cheaper studio first and then i think it actually kind of helped what did we demo uh, three or four of them, Chago? Yeah. Hey, it looks like uh, Victor's rejoining us from Target. There he is. Hey. Mr. There's the bass man himself. Hey, Victor. Welcome back. Hey, guys. Sorry about that. Did you pick uh, up all your big news? You good? <laughs> yeah. I had to get a new phone charger and everything. Jeez. Wow. That's that's wow. Okay. Well, yeah. we appreciate Sorry. the effort. We, we were just talking about rhythm section stuff, and I was, I was, I was like, hmm, I wonder where Victor is. <laughs> uh, perfect timing, though. <laughs> yeah. So, Victor, how did how you come to uh, your bass sound that you got? Like, it's a very I'm, I'm, obviously I play with someone that gets asked literally after every show how he got his bass sound, and it's it's something that like really brought to my attention that it's like, oh yeah, it's actually very interesting to have a quote unquote iconic or like notable bass sound like people don't think about everyone like focuses on the guitars but how did you come to like you got a real good like you know deep resonant kind of grindy thing going on how did you come to that sure um i all all by accident 100 (laughs) percent by accident um i borrowed a friend of mine borrowed a friend of mine's uh fender jazz bass he told me it was a P bass, but it was in fact a jazz bass. And I, I rented it from him. I gave him forty dollars, and then like two years went by, and um, I went. I was at his wedding, um, and I asked if he wanted me to return it to him, and he said, "No, just play it. Just make sure you play it." So I got the bass that way, and then I was, uh, and then Jason made me buy this uh, PV amp, and I, uh, and I did it. It was a hundred bucks, and but then you swapped uh, the uh, speaker out, so, right, for like the uh, heavier speaker. Is that correct, right? Yeah. Why don't you tell it? No, no. I was just <laughs> trying to remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You only been talking for like a half hour. Uh, yeah, let's <laughs> just bust on in. <laughs> um, it's yeah, okay. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's you don't you don't need to give a YouTube tor- t- tutorial necessarily. It's. it's, it's <laughs> That PV sound, um, you know, the the TNT, it's brutal, it's brutal, and uh, Fender Jazz bass, and then uh, I went and got a bass Big Muff, and that really put over the top. Yeah, those are great. So it's a, you know, it's a very, it's got a lot of beef, got a lot of heft to it. 
And yeah. I think when you guys play it, it, it definitely, it's an intention getter, right? So how do you serve the song without like being necessarily overpowering when you, when you're thinking about like what, what you're going to be playing? Like what, think, think, think about that. Like think about, you know, there's good parts and there's good songs and every so often, you know, both can happen at the same time. Sure. Jason writes great songs. Um, you know, I was just, a lot of my art is just like collaborative art and like knowing how to compliment a piece. I, you know, it's an important skill. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, it's easy with Jason, like his song, his I mean, we're into the into similar music um, that it just it's kind of easy to find out what what works, and then Santiago just does whatever he wants. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Jason always will be like, uh, "Oh, I wrote this riff and I showed it to Victor, and Victor's got some very tasteful drum, uh, sorry, bass parts." And I'm like, "It's it's a really good word to use because Victor always is. It's very complimentary. It's never like." overly busy or lazy yeah. is always like a perfect middle ground yeah, yeah it doesn't seem like funny, showy. Yeah. exactly I, that that's yeah. a good point well it's funny i'll bring like a song to vic and uh i'll play it for him and he closes his eyes and then i'll be like hey so and i'll be like oh hang on there a minute and then he just keeps his eyes closed for a couple minutes and then just like lays into it and pretty much the first thing out of the gate is like exactly what the song called for um, I've never had a better uh, music partner in all the years of working with people than uh, Victor. He really like helped form and complete the vision. And then Santiago is definitely like the missing key. Um, and he was a very unusual, uh, different drummer than I was used to playing with. But I, I was very attracted to him being uh, a different approach to drums than I was used to, a very abstract but I, I, I'm so thankful I couldn't have, have even got this across without these guys. So. Well, it comes across in the band. So speaking from yeah. an outsider. So. Thank you. What this is going to be a question you'll you'll unfortunately have to individually <laughs> answer it. But uh, but what's what's your favorite song on the record and why? So let's start with uh, Santiago. You go first. Um. I, my favorite song is uh, probably uh, Charmful, just because it's got a bunch of different parts. Um, I mean, you know, like every record we have is basically, if there's not a guitar playing, it's con- it's feedback in your face. And I feel like this album, or this song really starts out with that. And it kind of allowed me to, I don't know, I'm, I'm a huge uh, metal, like death metal and black metal fan. So I think like uh, I certain songs allow me to kind of tap into that. And I would say that that's probably that's my pick, Charm School. Victor, um, I really like uh, Welcome Home, the one right after Charm School. I like how it, it's all that noise and and feedback that Santiago was talking about, and then it just kicks right into this like groovy pop song, kind of, um, with a chorus of "fuck, fuck, fuck." That's, that's <laughs> yeah. my favorite. That's right, my favorite right. song. Ever. 
We can say that. Okay? You can, you can. It's it's fine. It's, uh, okay. One time, years and years, years ago, uh, it was broadcast on the uh, terrestrial radio, but that was a long time ago, and there's been many fucks that have been uttered since then. Uh, Jason, how about you? Uh, I would say uh, uh, slit my throat, probably, or... Uh, I actually, like... Um, slip my throat and wait for it uh and wait for it it's like such a strange that that's a very strange song for our band um that one was uh kind of came to life uh just out of like a few really odd riffs that i had floating around and then uh i kept playing them over and over and santiago really uh kind of started bashing away the rhythmic dynamic hook behind that song and then Vic had this really extremely catchy bass line that was kind of like a hook and uh, we had a few different versions of it and then we we all sat together and and really picked it apart and brainstormed together and found the right uh, formula of getting it across so I enjoyed the process of that and the outcome, and I like that it's a very abstract song, but I'd have to say that or probably slit my throat. Nice. So the the record, it seems like it does everything that you guys want it to do. There's nuance there, but it's a loud, powerful rock record. What do you? What's going to be next? I mean, you, you've got... Obviously, no one really knows what's next. It's a global pandemic. Like making records isn't necessarily like top of top of mind for everyone. But yeah, uh, where where how are you guys passing the time? How are you maintaining? How are you holding the angle as a band? With it, when you're I not mean, able to play, you're not able to you know do a lot of things. This is the this is the longest we've been away from each other, uh, and it's a pretty strange feeling, especially coming right off of a tour. Um, yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, I don't like it. Uh, but uh, I think the goal, uh, you know, I've always promised Vic and Santiago that I wanted to uh, make our way with this band uh, overseas and do some touring in Europe. Yeah. Uh, and I'd really love to to make that a reality for all of us to experience together and uh, bring our strange formula of music to people in other countries um so i'd really like that to happen and then just to push new grounds and uh and write another record that actually pulls away from the direction that we've been going in and try to like kind of uh forge some new ground laudable laudable so you've and you've 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 been playing a lot and some shows are better than others. And without stealing from the format of others that are exclusively tour stories, something I always find illuminating that I'll usually try to ask sneakily when there's more time available is, uh, can you give me an example of best show, worst show? Meaning, oh. like, what are your best shows that, that you can think of? Like ones that have, uh, you know, personally you enjoyed the most and the worst shows and we'll go through we'll go through answers for each one so there's a lot uh jason you go first on this one and then we'll i'll go what is clockwise for me (laughs) 
Um, can we go? Uh, can we go through with worst show and then go around the circle and come back to best show? Yeah, we'll do worst show then best show. So worst show, right. not worst show ever, uh, but worst worst show you can think to, of. Way to take the reins here. I can guarantee you that our worst show was uh, a show that we played at this club that was pretty short lived in Chicago called Fizz, and. Uh, I, I decided to go, hey, guys, let's try this song that we just learned yesterday. And, uh, oh, it was a great idea. Yeah, really, really smart maneuver on my part. Uh, and I'm pretty sure at one point we were all playing a different song. And uh, I, I looked at Victor and Santiago was totally confused. And Santiago just smiled and started doing blast beats. And then we just burst out laughing. Um <laughs> And it was kind of like one of those uh, Back to the Future moments where they're like, "Oh, that's very interesting music you're making." Yeah, yeah. Why didn't doubt last Yeah, your that kids are gonna fucking, love it. That was a fucking <laughs> horrible show. I'm pretty sure Victor quit as soon as we walked downstairs with our gear. <laughs> yeah, uh, but we got I back. I shed a tear. Up. I think. Yeah, that was a nightmare. So, uh, Santiago. Um. Yeah, I would say, I don't know, like. That one's definitely the worst, no question about it. Um, I would say my my pick, because uh, and I don't want to take away from the fact that we were playing with Den, who are awesome, um, but uh, we played this show in Kentucky. It was like our first show on this like mini tour. And, oh my god! Uh, Den, I guess like some stuff went down. I'm not going to go into it, but like you know, they were coming a lot later than we had anticipated. Uh, due to some scheduling conflicts and the uh we had like three like new metal death metal kind of bands playing with us like all local and all of them refused to uh go afterwards so basically like it was like you know classic like uh touring band headlining a show where there's nobody and it's like you know midnight yeah, headlining and, air um, quotes. And, and we <laughs> felt, I guess, that that wasn't good enough. So we decided, well, we're in Kentucky. We're like, this bourbon is so cheap. Oh, and man, I was like, I'll just keep up. drinking this 100-proof bourbon that I have at my job that I enjoy. Mm. And uh, I, I'm i really bad at drinking. I If I drink, like, it's very fine line. It's like, you know, um, so I got to be really careful before I play, or otherwise I'm going to suck even more than normal. And... Uh, I got really, really uncharacteristically drunk, and um, yeah, we played pretty bad, but also I just got so confused because Victor's (laughs) bass cord wrapped around the leg for my floor tom, Uh. and then my floor tom starts walking away from me, and I'm like, how? How is this possible? How drunk am I? Yeah, yeah, I was just like, at at that point, I was just like, okay, this is just ridiculous, like, and yeah, that was... um, we also met a dude who oh, uh, had like this like uh, dime bag Daryl shirt with like Confederate flag on it. He kept trying to convince us that he wasn't racist, and we yeah, were just great, like, "Great intro. That's that's cool." But then we so he's like he felt so bad about his shirt, which I'm like, "Why would you wear that in the first place?" <laughs> and and then we were like, "Well, they probably don't make dime bag Daryl shirts without a Confederate flag." Yeah, yeah. And then it's the he Pantera was, law. So bad, he's like. We got like a whole house and we got all the pools and we're going to hang out with you guys. And then we like lost them. And then we ended up like in the middle of nowhere in Kentucky at 3 a.m. And Didn't we uh, followed the wrong car to the wrong house. We followed the wrong car 
And I get out and I go up to this guy in the car and he's like, who are you? And we're in this like gated community. Why are you following me? And we're just like, dude, we're so screwed. Wow. Yeah, we almost got stopped that night. <laughs> Jesus yeah, Christ. I think we almost got green roomed at some point. Yeah, yeah right. That, that was, that we was escaped our clutches, though, and made it to Cincinnati. Well, Victor? <laughs> that's it. A... Uh, yeah, no, I think, the, I think the boys covered it there. It's one or the other. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to say that's, 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 that'd be a hard one to top. Show, Vic, where that guy threatened you. Wait, where? Where the guy tried Santiago? to, like, press your... I was like, I don't appreciate your feedback. <laughs> oh, yeah. Westmount. Yeah, that, I mean, that was... I thought we played really well. <laughs> so right. that's all that matters. <laughs> um, he inspired us to play better with his ignorance. Yeah. What, 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 was, no, what to... was he upset about? I guess I missed the, the thread there. Sorry. What was, what was he upset about, this guy? He's like, turn it down. That's all. All I heard was noise and feedback. Turn down that feedback. And Santiago said, We're, we've had enough of your feedback. <laughs> and then we all got there. And then, he, and then he threatened to shoot us. Oh, yeah. yeah that's that's the clear escalation point. Is just immediately threatened to shoot someone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that is a fantastic comeback, though, when someone's yeah, pitching back. Yeah, it's pretty, it pretty hilarious. Santiago is our uh, he's our band comedian for sure. Well, okay, so then obviously it's easier to talk about the the worst of times, but let's talk also about best slash favorite notable show. So, Victor, since you're already going, I feel like you got you you got Uh, um, uh, the short shrift on most of the rest of the show. So, go yeah, go ahead with the one one that's the most (laughs) most memorable and a positive. Yeah, thanks. Sorry for missing half of it. Uh, our, my favorite show was the first Ian's party we played, um, which is a local festival here in Chicago that happens uh, every winter. It's, uh, you know, local punk acts, some touring acts and uh, comedians and that kind of thing. And uh, It's put on by a friend of ours and he asked us to play. He was like, we heard your first record, Royal Thoughts, and it was like a unanimous decision. We want you guys to, to open up the party. And it was at the Double Door, which is a you know, a storied venue, um, RIP, the Double Door, but I saw Sonic Youth there. They're my favorite band. So uh, just gracing that stage and, like, I don't know, we were just fresh off of recording our, our new album. Uh, it was our, uh, and it just it felt awesome just to be on that stage where I had seen Sonic Youth six years earlier. Right, so. right. That's, that sounds like a good one. Jason? Um, for me, it was like, uh, I'd say playing with cherubs at the empty bottle, um, which was actually kind of funny. Uh, I messaged Brent from cherubs, their drummer. And when I just had the name salvation and the idea and the concept for this band and I had a few songs written, but I didn't have a band put together. But of course I was like, Hey, can salvation open for you guys? Uh, and he was like, yeah. And he was like, um, cherubs isn't even a band right now. Like, yeah. Um, and then shortly after, so did you say, uh, is that a maybe they got back together? <laughs> uh, it was really hilarious. When, when you're walked, saying there's a chance. Yeah. When I walked into the empty bottle and he looked at me and like, 
he gave me a big hug and he just burst out laughing and he's like, I cannot believe that this actually happened. Uh, he was like, you do realize that you messaged us when we weren't a band and you didn't even have a band and somehow <laughs> this ended up happening. So, uh, yeah. And then we played with, you know, I mentioned before that band Sweet Cobra and Cherubs at the bottle. That was, that was a, like a real fun night for me. <laughs> That was that's that's a fantastic story. I love every part of that. Uh, Santiago. Um, I would say honestly, uh, our most recent uh, record release for Year of the Fly, uh, we did it at the Empty Bottle, um, and it was our second time doing a record release at Empty Bottle, and we played with basically just like you know some of the best bands in Chicago. We had No Men Ganser and this band Luggage. Um, and oh, every yeah. band just Those had their are, own. That great. Going I forgot on. about that. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah they put out a really cool record last year uh, around the same time. Ganser had just put out an EP, and No Men had just put out their record. So it was basically just like a culmination of like a lot of really interesting sounds and like you know unique kind of uh, band members and just everything kind of coming together. Uh, and it was just it was packed. We had an awesome response to the record. Like everything was just picture perfect. Yeah. Yeah, that show was amazing. That was uh, hard to top. So it's kind of like it was like smoking crack for the first time. Immediately <laughs> <laughs> want another hit. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I feel like I'm never going to get back to that high point. Yeah. Well, that's... We're, but we're going to keep trying. I was going to say, that, that would be a pretty downer point to leave it on. Uh, oh, we... yeah, I'm not going to stop smoking crack. Yeah. <laughs> 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 all right all right fair. that's good solid so yeah. i always close I close out the show uh with a it's the only can question i ever have and it's a little more difficult when there's a group but i think this rotation has been working okay so santiago since you're talking we'll start with you and the the question is just why do you do what you do um, honestly, it's, it's really funny because I see like, there's like, uh, like, you know, so many different motivations you can kind of have for, for doing whatever you call it, you know, that we were doing. But for me personally, it's literally just having fun with my friends and like expressing myself, even if it's not good or amazing, it's just like a really good way to kind of get my, uh, I don't know. It just kind of helps me release all my anxiety and, uh, it just, it's kind of cool to have like a small niche community. Like I'm glad I never wanted to make me money or do anything with music except for just have a good time because it kind of keeps you focused on what matters. And, um, I would say that and just like local DIY punk Chicago is just kind of my life. Like I saw my first show like that when I was like 16 and I've been uh, obsessed and addicted to it ever since. I just want to say shout out Reed's Local, who always let us do awesome shows there. They always treat touring bands great. Yeah, it's our huge, bar that we go to whenever we're not local. playing music together. We just go drink there. So Right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Victor? Yeah. Why do you do what you do? Same. Just uh, blowing off steam of, you know, a work week or what, you know relationship problems or whatever the case may be um just being able to do that and do it with you know some of my best friends it's um it's the reason that i play in like a bunch of different bands i need that outlet also i realize i wouldn't i'm not very good at practicing on my own so uh, (laughs) 
So I joined band so that I can so I can at least play my instrument twice a week. Yeah. At the very least. Right, right. Uh, So, Jason, you're up. Why do you do what you do? Um, because they don't know how to do anything else. <laughs> uh, no, it's probably just because it's like uh, it's it's the only thing I feel extremely passionate about. It makes me happy. Um, I definitely feel like uh, the most calm and uh, kind of like I kind of feel like the most at home when I'm making music in a, in this setting. Um, and I feel that it's just kind of what I want to do with the rest of my life is make, make music, tour, make records, um, and share it with, you know, two, two people that I enjoy being around. Nice. Well, fellas, thanks so much for being on the show. The new record, new-ish record's called Year of the Fly. You can find it at the Salvation Bandcamp. It's on Spotify, iTunes, all the normal things you would find records on uh yeah it's been great having you fellas on oh man it's been thank great you, being here. thank awesome. you so much we yeah. look forward to playing with you at some point i hope that becomes a reality i'd, I'd love that we'll, we'll make it happen so let's go ahead and go out with the slip my throat Absolutely. here
right, baby. Salvation. Yes, yes, yes. That is the band Salvation. My guess for tonight. That was a song off of Year of the Fly called Slip My Throat. Charming. So there you go. That was uh, episode 168 with the band Salvation. Jason and Victor Santiago. Great having those dudes. Check that record out. Uh, the good band, Chicago band. This is why I normally would tell you they were going to be on tour or something, but they are not going to be on tour like none of us are. Salvation Rock and Roll. All one word. A-N-D and spelled out. Dot bandcamp.com. They're on all the normal things that you think they would be on. Instagram is uh, was it Salvation Chicago? I think you can find this for your own damn self. What am I gonna do? The answer, man. The name of this show is Conan Neutron's Protonic Reversal, and thank you very much for listening to it. This show airs Thursdays on Radio Nope. Eight Eastern, seven Central, six Mountain, five Pacific, and also other times with special stay-at-home editions. Best way to find it is to follow the group page on Facebook. Signing off. Instagram or Twitter. Mister and Mrs. America, all the ships at sea. Archives are RadioNeutron.com, always free. Get the episode sooner with the Patreon, patreon.com slash Protonic Reversal. Dollar a month gets you there. Get the episodes basically immediately. 50,000 watts of power. Within reason. No ads, no sponsors, no kidding. Thanks for folks that have shared the show around. Shared episodes. Told this a friend. Appreciate it. Turns sound into electricity. Can you hear me now? Stay safe out there. Out on and as always, dark and lonely. Take it easy. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now?
Welcome to my top ten. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. There is no special girl! It's the... It's the end of radio! The last announcer plays the last record! The last what? Leaves the transmitter! Circles the globe in search of a listener. Can you hear me now? If there's no one there to receive It's the end of radio As we come to the close of our broadcast day Thank mm-hmm. you.